Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mad Mamluks podcast. My name is Sim. Along with me are my co-hosts, Sheikh Amr Saeed. Al-Alama, right? No, Al-Alama. The Al-Alama? Just, just Amr Saeed. No. We have uh, Mahin Islam, the host of uh, Sultans and Sneakers. Sultans and Sneakers or Sultans in Sneakers? Sultans and Sneakers. In Sneakers. Whatever makes you happy. No, and Sneakers. I'm just joking. And. <laughs> yeah. And we got, mashallah, Cyrus the Virus McGoldrick. Cyrus the Virus. You know what that is a reference to, right? Cyrus the Virus? No. Hepatitis B? No. no. Conair. <laughs> oh, oh, Conair, remember? Conair, yeah, with Nicolas Cage. Mashallah. Yeah, another movie I haven't seen. <laughs> so, uh, Cyrus, how you doing, man? Good, good. I'm the best. Thanks for having me. Cyrus is much uh, known for a lot of his activism and his work with CARE over the years. Um, more recently, he's launched a channel on YouTube called Out in the Outpost. No, The Outpost, right? The Outpost, yeah. Outpost. And it's kind of like a really cool thing that he, him and Raja, who else is involved in that? It's us, a couple other brothers, uh, Shafal Abed, uh, Ramzi Issa, uh, some brothers from New York, New Jersey area. Uh, you know, just a small project. You know, the, the, and it, when I saw it, it's like more related to like current events, almost like an AJ yeah. plus for Muslims. Is that, mm. Would that be accurate? <laughs> it's fair. That's fair. You know, they, uh, they certainly uh, captured that, 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 uh, that style. You know, the short videos, you know, our first project now, and inshallah, we can expand to others, but Anyway, we'll, 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 doing short videos, yeah. we'll get to that later, but okay, uh, yeah, sure. uh, just yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you are right now in terms of your location. You're in Turkey, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm, you know, I'm in, I live in Istanbul, Turkey, yeah. uh, previously uh, New York, New York. Um, so I've been here with my family for four years, over four years now. Uh, I came here for education, did a master's degree. And now a PhD at Ibn Khaldun University. Mashallah, uh, what did you do your Islamic master's in? So this Ibn Khaldun University, it's social sciences. It's an Islamic university, but social research, you know, social sciences uh, mostly. I'm in an institute called the uh, Alliance of Civilizations Institute. You know, really, but the the project is what's called civilization studies, like Ilm al Madani. You know, and so, you know, in the in the line of Ibn Khaldun, you know, trying to get some sense of you know, our society, how societies work, how civilizations, you know, if that's a word that we like, you know, um, how they rise and fall, you know, how we thrive, you know, kind of get a sense of, you know, our position now in the world and in time. Uh, so my master's, you know, I focused more on the situation of really the legal situation, you know, of Muslims living in America in particular, in the West generally, but in America in particular. Now in my PhD, I'm focusing more on kind of a history of Muslim ideas about that situation, you know, about that same situation. And so, especially focusing on the idea of outlawry, you know, we could talk about that more later. If Wait, you outlawry? You know, the idea of, yeah, the idea of being, you know, legally outlawed, you know, being the exception to the law uh, in a deep way, drawing on, you know, some other political philosophers, but I think making the case based on legal precedence. And then now for the PhD, you know, thinking more about how Muslims themselves in different chapters in different times have embraced that outlawry, you know, have understood it. And then, you know, uh, you know, Try to do their own thing, you know. Accepted, you know, the position that we have, but 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 resisted. No, now, Cyrus, um, yeah. your name is very, 
very different before you different, go. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah, it's memorable no. for, better, for better and worse. It's yeah. a cool name. So yeah. I mean, yeah. when I when I googled you, it said you're Iranian, and you're Iranian Irish. Irish. Yep. Irish. Yeah. So obviously yeah. your American dad's born, like, but yeah. your dad's yeah. a history history fan. Cyrus is Cyrus the Great, right? Yeah. You're the great yeah. Persian emperor. Yeah, indeed. You got you got the name from there, yeah. and yeah. Um, you got the uh, the white background. Yeah. McGoldrick is the Irish. Yeah. Yeah. So, so sure. you're enjoying your privilege. <laughs> and, and I try to. I, I try to make the most of it. But yeah. somehow, yeah. somehow yeah. you ended up in Turkey. <laughs> you know, I I always advocate like a lot of white Muslims to be in America so that they can you know help mm. Muslims integrate and they can be like the conduit to the American society. But <laughs> this guy ended up taking off. <laughs> you my, were such a valuable commodity to us, bro. My philosophy, Cyrus, my philosophy with, with white uh, non-Muslim or the, the European world is that is a similar as, as to what uh, Longshanks and Braveheart said when the, he was trying to figure out what to do with the Scots. He said, if you can't beat them, breed them out. So we should just marry <laughs> white women and we should have a whole bunch of white kids because we can't beat white people so you're just completely working against the strategy by moving to turkey uh, but i don't think anybody told him about the strategy i think this is the first time he's hearing about it so <laughs> no well, long shanks long shanks is uh, edward the first he is a very popular strategy yeah, yeah. that he had uh, well, I'm saying historians have documented about know. this strategy um, oh yeah. the i do appreciate the allusion to braveheart yeah but um yeah we'd have to unpack that a little bit there's some details there that we should discuss um uh, i think uh you know, in relation to America, I've I've had such a mixed experience, you know, because even, you know, I'm half Iranian, but like, you know, I grew up like Iranian, you know, and so, you know, even like growing up in white towns, you know, I, I didn't really feel white in those towns. I didn't really actually feel white until becoming Muslim, still pra until practicing Islam and being around like brown people. I thought I was brown until, you know, meeting South Asian people and they were like, oh, no, no, we're brown you're white <laughs> um, and so you know I we can't to, swim and Ireland. you can swim <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. so you know i go to ireland you know and everyone's very welcoming you know yeah you're irish welcome home whatever whatever you know i go to iran you know they're very welcoming like yes you're iranian you know welcome you know it's all good um but i'm still also very american you know when i'm in america i guess partly it depends on how i dress but i certainly don't feel like a white american when i land in the airport you know, those guys know me way too well you know, now. <laughs> and so, you know, in certain cer certain circumstances, you know, I do, you know, whatever whatever access we have to people, um, if it's white people, whatever cultural group, you know, you 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 can reach, you know, absolutely, we got to do our dawah. You know, we start with our families. We start with, you know, with whoever it is that we could reach. Um, I do understand that project to, to normalize, you know, uh, Islam. I, I guess Dr. Omar talks about that a bit. You know, as you guys, you got that famous pamphlet, you know, on the subject. You know, I think about what uh, Abdul Hakim Murad does in England, you know, with like, you know, producing like an English Muslim culture. You know, I get that for sure. Um, but uh, but the idea of whiteness itself is a really complicated one, you know, and is not, I don't think, exactly lines up with, um, you know, people of European descent only, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, whiteness as a concept is part of the problem, you know, like the idea of, you know, whiteness was, 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 was developed as a concept in opposition to Muslims. Like that's like, it was defined by opposition to Muslims. And so, you know, I think we have to learn the history, you know, to really be able to, to, to combat it. 
and that combat, you know, I don't know, part, that's part of the issue. That's part of the reason that I left, you know, was having really deep questions about, you know, what does it even mean to combat, <laughs> you know, combat white, whiteness, you know, or America or the West, whatever it is. Um, you know, what are our goals? What are our, what's our strategy to get there? You know, what are the ethics that we have along that path? You know, that's all, you know, what we're trying to focus on out here. Uh, me and myself, you know, it just made a lot of sense to be here in Turkey. You know, are Turks white? That's a, it's really, it's, it's, it's complicated, you know? Um, you know, I, and some of those things don't really apply here in the same way, you know, when people talk about, you know, there's a, a phrase that they use in Turkish, like white Turks, you know, in Iran, you know, the same thing applies like white, white Persians, you know, yeah. they, that usually refers to the secular upper class, you know, like westernized people, which is interesting, you know, itself really has nothing to do with color, you know, at all. So, uh, uh, anyway, I want to ask yeah. you, uh, what faith tradition does your Iranian side come from? Muslim, but specifically Twelver, mostly Twelver. Uh, my grandfather is a little bit more rebellious, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, will argue, you know, with, with some of that narrative. Um, but mostly Muslim, you know, Twelver. My, my parents, though, my mother uh, is the Iranian parent. You know, she was much more of a kind of a leftist youth, you know. Um, my father's family, Irish Catholic, you know. Uh, you know, when my parents got married, they got married in a masjid at a church, you know, at City Hall. You know, it was just, it was, you know, like 1980, you know, it was just a different time. Wow. And so, um, so for me, you know, coming up, you know, I, I had, and I was blessed with that, you know, I had the freedom, you know, to, 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 to look into this for myself, to choose, you know, and, and so, you know, pretty soon, I guess I was probably 20 years old. You know that I really finally committed, you know, to really practice Islam, and and I decided to 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 practice, you know, on the beliefs and the practice of Ahl Sunnah, because uh, that's what made sense to me at the time, and that's what I've been on since, you know. But I've benefited a lot from, you know, all these different influences, you know, cultural, religious, you know, whatever it is along the way, for sure. So based on your goals, you're saying goals, and you know what direction you want to take your life into. Why Turkey out of all places, and what were do you mind like mentioning what those goals and what your aims and objectives kind of were and what kind of led you to Turkey or is that kind of just like yeah, a personal sure, sure. thing? No, no, I'm not going to plead the fifth yet. Uh, <laughs> the, I think uh, on a, on, in terms of Turkey at that time, you know, I, we came here, my wife and I came here, at, that was 2015, 2015, yeah. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to get out of America. Like I didn't really have like a really specific idea about what Turkey would be like. You know, Turkey wasn't really on my map back then. You mm -hmm. know, we didn't really know people who were moving to Turkey. Um, I didn't know much about the institutions here, you know. Why did you want to get I, out of America? Just, and I, at America, it was, it, was a, it was a difficult time for me at that time. You know, I, I felt I was really, uh, after years of work, you know, especially focused on issues of war, like opposing the war on terror, um, mm -hmm. you know, dealing with, you know, police departments with the New York City Police Department, you know, a number of campaigns, you know, uh, with that, trying to organize also youth and message communities. It became frustrating over time. We started to see things, you know, changing and changing really quickly, you know, a lot of confusion. And, um, you know, and, and I felt like we were hitting walls. I was hitting walls, you know, in some of the organizing work. Um, and we weren't, you know, really all speaking the same language. You know, I, I caught some of your uh, podcasts with uh, Dawood Walid. Uh, I don't know how long ago that was. Recently, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, some of those things that he identified. We saw the seeds of, you know, some years ago. You know, not that not that long ago, though. Things changed really, really quickly. 
Um, but in New York, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was getting ahead of us. And so, you know, I felt that I needed knowledge myself, you know, when I you know, came out of college, when I started working, you know, in the community and community organizations, you know, at the time, it felt super urgent, right? There's a war against us. You know, I, I, I put everything aside, you know, any other interests and, you know, hobbies I had, whatever it was, you know, making more money, you know, whatever it was, I put all that stuff aside really to try to join community organizations that would, you know, take that head on. Um, but we were losing and, you know, the Obama years were super confusing, you know, yeah. there was no anti-war movement anymore. Um, you know, Muslims were praising Obama and going and, you know, kissing his hand at the White House. And, and it became a really confusing time to organize Muslims on yeah. causes that yeah. I felt like were the biggest priorities, you know, especially cases of political prisoners, you know, many Muslims in American prisons still, uh, not to mention all of the many Muslims overseas, you know, in black sites and prisons around the world. And so, you know, I, I felt like, you know, it, it after some years, you know, of this work, um, I felt that I needed to step away, you know, I needed to study, you know, I mean, for my own sake first, of course, you know, but then also to try to make myself more useful, you know, to try to make myself more beneficial to my communities back home. I do kind of consider myself, uh, you know, on loan in a way, you know, from hmm. New York. Um, you know, we, we came here with the intention to, after some years, to, to go back. Um, that's become more complicated over these years since, to be honest with you, you know, I have a two-year-old daughter now uh know, raising a little girl like you know it's really hard to imagine taking her back to america right now or anytime soon hmm. um you know but you know at least while we're here you know the world changes fast along have you learned next but the language sorry have you learned the language yeah we Tur learned turkish you know our first year here yeah yeah we learned turkish here um it's incredibly um, difficult language to learn to study to study arabic here it's not too bad, especially coming from with, you know, Farsi, you know, it was much easier for me, you know, we learned pretty quickly, my wife speaks Urdu, you know, I think it came pretty quickly to her too. Uh, there's a lot of words that are shared with Farsi, there's a lot of shared grammar, you know, so, you know, six months, six, six seven months, <coughs> yeah, we got, we got pretty good, you know, with it. Um, even today, like I have classes, you know, that are taught in Turkish, you know, it's it's tough, you know, still, even after four years, that's, that's still tough, but, but we get by. Bro, he watches uh, Arthur Roll without subtitles. He doesn't have to wait. Do you watch Arthur Roll? We watched that first season, that whole first season. That was before it was subtitled. That was part of how we learned Turkish. You no know, maybe way. we sounded a little bit we sounded a little bit old fashioned at the time, but but yeah. Isn't that like an Ottoman Turk that's like more uh, classical Turkish, right? I mean, I, I guess. You know, they use some Arabic words to make it sound, you know, kind of old fashioned. Um obviously it needs to be understandable to, you know, a modern Turk. You know, and the language has changed a bit. But, but yeah, yeah, it's formal. You know, it's respectful. You know, polite. You know, polite Turkish for sure. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we're just trying to make the most of it. You know, learn everything that we can. Um, you know, the like I said, you know, our my my degrees are mostly in like social science, you know, research and mm. Islamic social science. You know, if we can consider that to be a field or a developing field, uh, but also trying to benefit from the Islamic studies you know uh, get the basics up while we're here you and know, and as way. far as foreigners, wherever we go next will be more useful as far as like american expats or even yeah. british i mean is it kind of like you guys have a network and you guys get together and chill or you just completely... there's a cool community here uh there's we've been really blessed you know to have good friends here you know from not a lot of americans you know i've had a couple of friends that came you know but not a lot of americans here still um i think some of the some of the americans that did come here also got scared that first year 
you know, from different like, you know, things, bombs going off. Gulenist? Gulenist? One year. Yeah, that, that, that Gulenist coup attempt was one year after we came. I don't um, like that. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's culty, man. I'll be honest. It seems, uh, it's, you know, I, I do, I always wonder, you know, if they, if they've done every single bad thing that they've been accused of, but it's definitely an ugly situation for sure. Um, they uh, and that coup attempt seems like it was uh, it, it, it was them, you know, with the CIA behind it. But uh, but no, we stuck it out, you know. I mean, still, no matter what was happening here, it was always safe within New York. You know, that wasn't really the issue for us. Mm. You know, we just thought that you know it seemed like a good place to live. Uh, you know, try to make the most of it, learn what we could. Uh, and yeah, we've we've had good friends. You know, friends with uh, especially now that we have a daughter. I don't know if you guys have kids. You know, yeah. pretty soon you realize that your friends are. Your best friends are those that also have kids around the same age as, yeah. as your kids. So, yeah. so we've been blessed, you know, with that as well. And, uh, you know, if, people like-minded, you know, people that we can benefit from, yeah. If you were to give, like, uh, not people who go there for vacation, because when you go there for, when you go to any place for vacation, you don't see the reality of the place. Yeah. But let's just say someone says, you know what, man, I uh, I found a nice place to study in uh, Turkey and I'm thinking of moving there. What would you say to those people, like, two things that everyone has to know before they go mm. to Turkey before I mean something they should be prepared for or even one thing if you can I think, think one thing one thing is one thing is language you know language is really important here you know Turks really don't like speaking English you know some of them understand it but they don't really like even hearing it you know it feels <laughs> colonial to them mm. you know the Turks really hate the British you know and uh and which I respect, obviously, um, but they just want to speak Turkish, you know. Yeah. And so um, that really opens up the country. You know, some people that even come here for work, for example, you know, they avoid learning Turkish, but they're they're not really able to connect with the country mm. in a meaningful way. So that's one thing. You know, the other thing I think I would suggest would be uh, strongly suggest would be to move to, you know, one of the neighborhoods, you know, with more spiritual foundation. Mm. You know, I live in I live in Ayub Sultan uh, near the masjid that's built over the tomb of Abu Ayub Al Ansari. You know, the Sahabi who came here on jihad. You know, years after the passing of the Prophet Islam. So this is really one of the spiritual centers of the city. You know, the Fatih neighborhood, which is built named after you know Mehmed II, who conquered the city, uh, the Ottoman Sultan who who conquered Constantinople in 1453. You know, that neighborhood is much busier even, but still, it's more spiritual. You know, more spiritual area. Uh, religious people live there and you find that that's much more welcoming to foreigners you know the secular turks are still like nationalists really you know they really don't want to see us you know they really uh they, they it's kind of a funny dynamic you know turkey's really like two countries kind of living side by side mm. and so those are the two things you know i suggest you know learning turkish but then but then trying to be around you know spiritual people you know being around religious people in these and these neighborhoods have been great for us i've had other friends who moved here had terrible experiences you know, Turks being racist to them, especially Arab, you know, people with Arab backgrounds, because some of those secular Turks have really gotten tired of Syrian refugees, you know, in particular, um, and and blame them for a lot of things. Uh, and so they had really rough experiences with them, you know, whereas my wife and I, you know, and our friends, we've really had generally great experiences, you know, with Turks. We've been, you know, treated with great hospitality almost everywhere that we go. And really, I mean, Turks are people with that, that they're people with character you know we don't you know we've traveled a bit you know we you know very few of the problems that you see around the muslim world do you find here it's really been it's i really heard been a great blessing. many people say how true do you state how true do you think the statement is that they say that you know two countries in the world that they've been to is what an ideal muslim country at least now 
which is a good step of the direction of you know being a good Muslim country is Turkey and Malaysia. Like it I've never been to Malaysia. Okay. I would I would love yeah, to go Turkey. to Malaysia and see. I've heard that also about Malaysia. Um, you know, Turkey. You know, before we sick the Hizbutafir guys on me. You know, obviously, <laughs> you know, there's a top-down level. Uh, That's Mahim's that, boys. Uh, <laughs> those are my boys too. You know, it's all good. But no, it's, it's obviously the top-down level. You know, isn't I'm there? Yeah. You know, that that was not that was not ever. Islamization was not really any part of you know Turkish Islamism's political strategy. Yeah. You know, that that's not that at all. Um, but in terms of, I think coming back to like the character of people, you know, the etiquettes, the adab, you know, of people um, generally. You know, I, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's part of what we're talking about, right? Like when we hear, mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Muslim country. You know, we're talking about the respect that people have for each other. You know, people not cheating each other. You know, generally, these are basic things that unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, are, are absent in, mm-hmm. in a lot of the Muslim world. For various reasons. Um, so I would support that for sure. You know, it's, um, you know, Turkey's not safe, you know, from, from any of the, the pressures right that that are global now for sure may Allah protect it but it's, it's not it's not completely safe you know from any of those things you'll see all those dynamics present security uh, wise generally security wise i mean you know but also culturally right no I but mean, i'm saying just security if somebody wants to take their family there how how would you but it's safe you know it feels yeah. safe you know generally you know even you know, there's not even all that many dramatic headlines like generally it's safe you know it's cool. it's uh, you know i like that you know, both my wife and her sister, you know, Liz who is here too, both have said, you know, they feel safe, you know, walking outside, you yeah. know, at night alone, like they, they feel, uh, which is, that's an amazing thing. That's, not, that's not something that we should take for granted. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty large man, so I, no one really ever messes with me wherever I go, but, <laughs> but for, for, for women to be able to walk alone, like that's in any country, you know, that's, that's a really an amazing thing. Sure. Um, yeah, Turkey, Turkey's good. I, I would definitely recommend it. I, I actually just recently had some more friends that moved here. You know, it's it's a, it's a, it's definitely something I encourage, at least for a time, you know, I think, especially for our youth, you know, seeing, especially seeing my nephews and nieces come here too, you know, and how quickly, even just within a week or two, you know, how quickly they're able to, you know, learn, you know, and adapt to kind of Islamic adab and, you know, the way they respond to the adhan, you know, hearing the adhan from multiple directions, oh, yeah. you know, going to the masjid, masjid culture, these things that we... we, we I mean, I've come to take for granted, and you know, I flew back in the summer, you know, and uh, to the U.S., and that was the first thing I missed. You know, I was like, oh my yeah. God, you know, no zuhur then, like, you know, it, it, it's basic things, you know, and I think for the kids especially, you know, to be able to see, you know, uh, you know, what Islam could look like when it's strong, even if you yeah. don't consider it super completely strong here, just seeing the messages, you know, just yeah. seeing the, the it's a big change, the, man. The depth of the culture, it's huge. Kids huge, go home, they really go they go back home, and they see that everything's just so backwards. That's that's why I'm asking that question. Is at least when yeah. you know youth or children go there, they see that there's a thriving Muslim country, at least to the level of when they go back to another Muslim country, you know. Um, or any yeah. other yeah. Muslim country, yeah. they don't feel like they're in a backwards place. You know, they don't they don't associate that backwardness with right. Islam. You know, right, you know right, right. Plus you know, that Turkish Adhan, you know, man. We... Their accent, I love yeah, their and accent. The Turkish Adhan, their course, accent, bro, and their Adhan is something else, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the so accent, classy. The accent takes some getting used to, but the, but the Adhan is beautiful. You know, yeah. and it's definitely they're an artistic people. Yeah. You know, um, they learned a lot. I mean, and this isn't any. I have no. Iranian Asabiya here, like they learned a lot though from you know Persian, it you know Persian Islamic culture also, you yeah. know, and then same thing know, with the Indians, the Pakistanis, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, there's definitely a broad cultural group, but 
you know, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful place. I, I do hope also, I think about, you know, my daughter also, you know, I would like to be able to take her to Iran or to Pakistan, you know, and she would be comfortable there as well, um, you know, and understand historically, socially, why we're in the situations that we're in, in those other places too, you know, but I think we can also learn from the differences, you know, we can learn from, you know, what was Turkey able to do right? Or what were the Turks, I should say, you know, what were the Turks able to do right, you know, that uh, allowed them to survive a very strange 100 years. This has been a very strange century, mm. you know. Uh, I mean, for the whole Muslim world, you know, being with Al Khilafah, but now right here in the center of it, you know, dealing with the Turkish Republic, like a secular, like almost fascist, you know, secular republic, but still now, 90 some years later, to be a thriving Muslim country with a Muslim leader, uh, you know, where the Adhan is called in Arabic again, whereas prime ministers were being hanged for changing the law, you know, yeah, and making yeah. the Adhan in Arabic. You yeah. know, it's been Those in the 30s? Those in the yeah. late yeah. 20s I mean, and 30s? Into the 50s and 60s, you know, like. Was it really? Was, you know, even at, I think in the year 2000, you know, Muslim women still weren't allowed to wear hijab in college. I remember that, yeah. Um, you know, so. Which is all part of why, you know, like I tell you, like I told you in 2015, like Turkey wasn't really on my map. Like when I was thinking about getting out of the U.S. to study, you know, I thought about Iran just because of, you know, having family there. Um, but I didn't really want to deal with, you know, having to study the 12 or, you know, the, the Shi'i, you know, thing specifically. I thought about Saudi, but I was too old and, you know, the different dynamics there. Um, you know, we didn't really know where to go and someone suggested Turkey. and. Uh, we thought, you know, Bismillah, let's see what happens. You know, worst case, we can leave, you know, mm. if, if we have to, you know, after some time. But it really ended up being good. Sure. Other than studying, though, what other opportunities are there? Like the other folks that you've seen move there from the, the West. Yeah. What, what, kind of, yeah. what kind of industry, what kind of jobs are transferable? Any opportunities at yeah. TRT? Yeah, TRT. TRT is one of the big ones. You know, a lot of friends came and worked for, for TRT World in particular, which is an English language operation. Um, you know, they have the media side, they have the online side, they have another uh, kind of a like a humanitarian type uh, wing uh, to that operation. So some friends came from the U.S., a number of friends came from the U.S. and worked for them, yeah. you know, have worked and are working for them still. Um, otherwise, and, and you, you know, I mean, people, we have friends living here just teaching English. Like, you know, you can live, you know, you can live pretty well, you know, honestly, just teaching, teaching English even, you know, I have friends working part time. You know, and paying their bills and then studying the rest of the time. Oh, this is uh, now he's sparked my interest. <laughs> well, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, we we've, we've talked to some of the people at TRT, and it was like they they're all like American English speaking, like as if they yeah. grew up in America and they just went well, to work did, in yeah. Turkey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, Cyrus, was this your uh, was this your plan or your plot to do this uh, moving to Turkey, Dawa? Because it's working, bro. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get all the right people here. It's working. Because I'm actually curious now how much how much yeah. would a, a person who lives basically almost middle class or middle class or above middle class a little bit that middle class area in the united states uh how much money mm -hmm. would they need kind of like monthly to run a family probably, of five yeah. or six in simple five. humble living so like also like well also talk about polygamy <laughs> <laughs> multiple hatoons <laughs> <laughs> and you guys could change the subject anytime you want. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just. Yeah. I, I actually like. I, I, this is something I'm thinking about too because yeah. I thought about like Ligam also. Ligamy? Well, <laughs> I'm talking about Muslim countries, but he's, Muslim countries yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, but that's one of the benefits. Is you know. Anyways, go ahead. I don't know about all that, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so no, I mean, I don't, know, I don't think that's part of the law. 
just on that first, I don't mm -hmm. think that's part of the law here, but obviously people do it. Um, but in terms of uh, economics, you know, financial, yeah, the economic side of things, um, it's hard to compare. I don't, I, I never quite lived above middle class uh, in America, but I think, uh, you know, for us, we live, you know, I feel like we live very comfortably, you know, here in Sultan, for example, you know, we have one daughter. I yeah. don't have experience with a family of six either, but, you know, uh, but just us, I mean, honestly, you know, I make it work for under, you know, dollars, like probably less than $2,000, less than $2,000. And that's rent and that's 1500. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's rent. That's, you know, food. all the bills that's, you know, and you know, we're not, we're not starving. We can eat out, you know, it's, 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 it's not really a stretch. That's to have help also, you know, to be able to have a nanny come and, you know, help out at Mashallah. home too, you know, things like that. So, so if somebody uh, goes there with $3,000, I, I feel middle class now, but you know, in a way I never did in New York. Um, <laughs> so if somebody goes there with 3,000 no, American dollars, they're good. I'm sorry. If somebody goes there with 3,000 American dollars a month, they're good. I think you could live well on that. You know, I, I, I think you can, um, you know, and in, obviously there's some neighborhoods where people are paying crazy rent, you know, yeah, for yeah. no reason. You know, but those are those are the neighborhoods that I'm suggesting that you don't live in anyway. You know, yeah. I think if you live in Fatih and you, you know, or even some of the other towns, like some of the other areas, you know, uh, on the side of the on the side. As of long the, as there's no cockroaches know, and mice, sim will be fine. Yeah, yeah, I've avoided them too. Thank God, man, I've avoided them too. <laughs> the cockroaches uh, in the Middle East. I don't know about Turkey, man. Those things are so ginormous, bro. They're like Although, they're carrying suitcases you know, with obviously, them. Obviously, <laughs> suitcases. Uh, bugs, <laughs> Bro, bugs will survive the apocalypse, but I, there's so many cats in Istanbul. I yeah, literally I have never seen one mouse. I have literally never seen That's one amazing. mouse inside That's... or outside in the streets of Istanbul. Like these cats run this town. Like, <laughs> I heard, I heard. No pests, man. So it's a if that's a selling point for you, I don't know. You know what selling point is um, like? Yeah. How are your how are my allergies hold up? That's <laughs> you don't have to worry. About I've been that. sick for like three months on the allergies, so it's really? like yeah, yeah, this, yeah this, that bad. this Midwest stuff is killing me. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with stomach health. Too, my though. only complaint, my only complaint recently is, I do feel like the air pollution is getting to me a little bit. Like New York, it, it, New York is also bad too. But you know, the, the smoke, like the car smoke, is, yeah. is you know, I, I do feel like I smell like it. But but otherwise, you know, generally, you know. What about? Do you ever get any escapes? Like do you ever get a chance? Then we eat healthier. What's that? Yeah, yeah, it's food that I heard is a lot healthier. Yeah. Generally, um, do you guys do you get a chance to go to like other villages just as an escape and just get fresh air and clear skies and all that stuff and then come back? Not as much as I should, you know, because I, I, I never I never bought a car here. You know, it didn't feel like a, a priority. I live in, you know, I have a parking space I don't use. It's just the, um, you know, just my routine. Taxis everywhere you know, generally. Kind of all in the city, you know, I, and the bus system, the public transportation is really good. Like public transportation here is better than New York for sure. Yeah, and I heard the public uh, transportation is very safe too, especially for said, women. Yeah, that's something they invested a lot in. You know, was getting the public transportation up to speed. Um, but uh, you know, once in a while, we try to get out of the city. You know, get to uh, yeah greener areas. You know, to, yeah. to, to to breathe some air, see the water, and things like that for sure. For sure, it is. It's a big town. Istanbul is a big town for sure. Um, but uh, so it's nice to get out when you can. Uh, but uh, you're reminding me I should probably take my wife on a vacation soon. Uh, <laughs> and you have like a, you have an activist background and, you know, I do. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're a lyricist. I don't know if you still use spoken word or your skills, but like just writing, just writing, not performing, but yeah, just writing. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you kind of make that? Do you transition that into uh, your life in Turkey? I know it influences the way you study and what you study, but. Yeah, yeah, I would put it that way. Like, I think um, I, I don't really take an active role in Turkish 
internal issues. Mm. Gotcha. You know, um, not that it would be wrong to do so. I don't know how, <laughs> yeah. how appreciated it would be you know, by some parties, but, um, but rather, you know, I, I see my focus as one, you know, primarily still looking at the American situation. Because again, I mean, That's I know America the best, you know, I know That's my beautiful. people. Um, and I think, you know, also, you know, through the outpost, you know, that's been, I've kind of kind of thought of that as my main contribution other than my academic work. You know, I don't love, to be honest with you, I don't love following the news. You know, the news is pretty depressing, you know, generally not a lot of wins, you know, when you're <laughs> looking at the news day to day. Um, but at best, you know, I, I do keep an eye on social media, you know, and over the years I've become really disturbed at our inability to analyze Mm. You know, and also, and also, and this is not necessarily anyone's fault, but you know, we don't, most of us don't have the background knowledge really to understand the context for what's happening either. Right. And so, um, that was really, you know, the first project for the outpost was, was, you know, a headline comes up, you know, you hear the sound bites, you know, in American media, you've got like the three channels that are like left, right, and center, you know, the talking heads give you, you know, what you're supposed to feel, you know, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're just going to go with that. Um, but there's not really any, you know, critical thinking to, you know, what the agenda is behind that with the backgrounds, you know, what's the historical, uh, what's the historical lead up, you know, to these things, you know, um, it's almost like every single day Americans wake up with like a clean slate, you know, just like <laughs> blank, you know, and, you know, I see it again and again, we see it, we see it all the time. And so, so that's also, you know, I think how I've tried to, to, you know, keep that like activist, you know, organizing mindset, you know, is, is try to spend some time at least, you know, teaching, you know, trying to, trying to pay zakat on whatever we've been blessed to, to learn, yeah. you know, over mm-hmm. these years. So um, like, do you think that yeah. the living conditions are like suitable right now because of the AK party being in power and it could change if you get a more secular government down the road? Like, it's a fair question. I mean, it remains to be seen. It's it's, uh, it's a complicated one. Ak Party gets a lot of credit, you know, from 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 even from the opposition. I think for some of the changes over the last twenty years, for sure. You know, they say, you know, I've heard people who hate Erdogan say that twenty five years ago Istanbul was unlivable, like, and, mm. and it changed a lot. They spent a lot of time, and you know, jokes aside about you know Ak Party, you know, wasn't really out to Islamize, you know, the law. You know, you can still buy alcohol and pork, you know, from not many stores, but a couple, you know, it's still technically legal, you know, but culturally frowned upon, I suppose. Um, but what they did invest in hard was development, right, was 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 developing the society, you know, public transportation was part of that, you know, and a few other things. And so definitely they, they get credit for that in terms of cult- cultural living conditions, you know, to be able to be here as a Muslim, you know, to be able to remember this is the country that it was illegal to wear a fez. Right, that if you wanted to wear a hat, you had to wear like a brimmed hat, you know, like a fedora type hat, um, you know, because it was a European style hat, a Western style hat, but also because it was, um, you know, just symbolically, you can't make sujud, you can't, you can't do a sajda, you know, mm. with a brimmed hat on, right? And so that, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a symbolic move. Like it was, a, it was a, a, a way of repressing Islam. You know, in a society, um, imams were killed for this. Literally, imams were killed for this uh, in the early days of the republic. And so now, you know, to have, uh, uh, you know, you could say that Ak Party was part of moving this, uh, moving these issues forward. 
you could say other people would say that there was a popular pressure that allowed Ak Party to make these changes, right, and pushed Ak Party to go harder, you know, on especially on the on 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 reversing the hijab ban, right, in the schools and institutions, you know, that's part of it too. Um, there was a lot of fear, you know, after this last city election. I don't know if any of the news reached you guys. Uh, you know, the last city election, um, Istanbul went to the other party. For yeah. The first time in a very long time. It was a shock. And it was a shock. It was a shock. Um, you know, but there's a couple dynamics to that. You know, on the one hand, you know, some people saw that as kind of a, you know, a slap in the face to Erdogan, right? But there were a lot of people who would vote for Erdogan at the national level, but they just didn't like feeling taken for granted, you know, at the city level, mm-hmm. right? And that they felt that there was some, uh, like, corruption or 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 it just wasn't the most merit, 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 meritocratic, you know, way of uh, governing, you know, happening at lower levels in the party. Um, but also, you know, it's worth, you know, there was a lot of fear. The CHP, the party that won, you know, the guy that won uh, this mayoral election here in, uh, in in Istanbul, you know, his party was Ataturk's party, right? Like after the, with the abolition of the Khilafah, like this was the only party. This was a one-party state for, for, for uh, you know, over a decade. Um it was a leftist party, you know, technically, um, and Turkey generally is a more leftist uh, or socialist uh, state. Um, but this guy, you know, the, the mayor is a Muslim, though, right, which is a brand new situation also for Turkey. And this says something not just about the party, but about Turkey generally, such that like AK Party doesn't have a monopoly anymore on Islam mm. in the public space. Right, that even this guy representing the secularist party is also a Muslim, like who went to Islamic school, and they say that you know when they announced the victory, uh, that in the office, his staff, like people were calling out takbirs, like wow. people were doing takbirat, like that he won, and I heard this, you know, and people were like, you know, drawing different analyses on this, but you know, the thing that struck me about that was, you know, what that think about what that means for Turkey, like how far Turkey has come. Right in these years, that you know, as religiosity around the world is declining in so many areas, right, in so many places, and Turkey, despite being in an un, like an un-Islamic or even an anti-Islamic government for so long, that Islam somehow has been ascendant for now 20, 30 years. Like that's a really crazy situation. That even the opposition party, you know, is. I, I mean, will they be anti-Islam? I don't know. You know, there's some things that are changing now. Some of it has to do with politics. You know, there's word that they're shutting down some of the Al-Qaf. But also the Ak Party is doing the same thing, you know, to some of their political rivals as well. You know, there's some ugly politics happening, you know, within Ak Party and also between the different parties. Um, if CHP took the country, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it, it could, uh, it might have something to do with religion. It might have something to just to do with immigrants, right? It might just have to do with nationalism, right? It might not be about Islam at all and just trying to get rid of the foreigners in the country and give it back to the Turks. There's this rising tribe tribalism, you know, as well among some quarters. So it's a complicated one. You know, I do hope that Turkey would be able to survive a party change at the national level. I mean, Erdogan, you know, is old. He's an old, he's an old man. He's, he's, he's sick from what I understand, you know. Um, you know, the next election, the presidential election is in 2023. You know, I can't imagine him losing an election as long as he's alive. Uh, but right after him, there's no real succession plan. You know, no one really knows who's next, right? Who will, who will succeed him? 
they haven't really prepared someone. They haven't really groomed someone for that job. Like the public doesn't know. Even people that love Erdogan, no one seems to know who would be next. And so that's a real risky situation for sure. Do you have any? Um, do you have any yeah. uh, acquaintances or friends or people who are related to the family that you know can kind of get like inside scoop on what what's actually happening? Because if people love him and support him, um, how how do we know for sure that there's not a preparation of of somebody? You know. Is there any way of just it seems, knowing? It seems that it seems that even people on the inside, like it, this stuff, is kind of unfolding day by day. But it seems mm. like even people on the inside don't seem to know. You know, it's become because of some of the internal wars that they had to fight against the deep state. You know, against the Gulenists. Then first it was the deep state. Then it was the Gulenists with this coup attempt, right? Which was these were their allies, right? Like these were other Muslims in government mm. that Akbar brought into government with them, and then they turned on them. You know, I think the circle got real small right it came down to the family right it came mm. down to and i'm not saying anything that you know isn't talked about publicly like that you know he put a lot of trust in one of his sons right and then he put a lot of trust in his son-in-law you know and and so there is um but neither of those gentlemen really i think are able to step up to the role next you know erdogan is a really charismatic leader i mean his maybe his style of speaking you know it doesn't makes sense to Americans all the all the time, you know, but he, but Turks love him, you know, like he's like the father of the nation in a real way. Um, so it's hard to imagine someone taking his place. No, I, I, I gotta ask you this because, because, you know, who's a great academic. Yeah. Percep yeah. Perception wise, because I've only, most Turks that you meet in America are secular Turks. Right, and then they sure, it's like Iranians the same way, you know. It's yeah. like anti-Iran Persians, right? Right. Like, so they they're all like. So my perception of Erd, like I've always understood in Turkey, he's kind of like almost. Is it accurate to say that he's kind of like Trump and his following? Like people either love him or hate him, or what do you think? Oh, is he a very no. polarizing figure? Is I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe a bit, but I think. Um... I think He's just uncomfortable period. that you put him in the same sentence as Trump. It's a, well, it's not a terrible, it's not a terrible, <laughs> terrible analogy though. In fact, before the election, before Trump's election, you know, there were Turks, there were like pro Erdogan Turks, who thought that they would like Trump because of similarities in style, right? And also keep in mind that Erdogan, right, that Ak Party, I should say, Ak Party in Turkey, is a religious conservative party. Right. Hmm. The opposition is the left. Right. So like you got to flip the whole you know, way of thinking about this for sure. You know, like it's the heart of the country that votes our party. The cities, the liberal cities right, are the ones who would vote for, you know, the other parties. And so, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to keep Istanbul for so long, right, is a testament to changing dynamics in Istanbul. But uh, but yeah, like, I guess, you know, they, they would be more like the Republican Party. And Erdogan, he's not as offensive as Trump by any means. Like, Trump is, is pretty dumb, you know, behind the computer. Um, or at least acts like it. I don't think Trump is actually that stupid. I, you know, when you look old, look when you watch old interviews with Trump, like, yeah. he's actually a pretty coherent guy. I think he learned over the years that to speak to the average American, you have to speak like an idiot. <laughs> uh, and he's done that very well. He's very well said, but, I agree. Uh, but I think there were there were a lot of there were a lot of Turks that I think you know expected you know that they would like Trump. They thought that Erdogan and Trump would get along. There was a period that they didn't. Now it seems like they are, um, which is something kind of an interesting development, you know, in the yeah. last couple months. You know that they seem to have come to see eye to eye. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's polarizing. I think Erdogan, especially at the beginning, you know, after so many decades, you know, of being such a secularist society, you know, when Erdogan came up, you know, when the AK Party came up, like there were a lot of those secularist Turks, right, that thought that Erdogan was going to be like a like a Khomeini type figure, right? They were mm. like, oh no, we're going to lose the country to the crazy Muslims. Like you know, that's how these are secular yeah. Turks that were talking this way, right? Um, they were really terrified of this. Right. They were shocked that his wife wears hijab. Like they were shocked by this. Like still, she's insulted for this by by secular Turkish, you know, outlets. Like his wife wears hijab. Like this is crazy. What an embarrassment to our country, you know, that she goes out dressed like this, you know, because um, this is, a, you know, these are generations that are molded by the Ataturk. Of course. You know, the Kamalist, you know, uh, philosophy. Um, that I think religious dimension isn't quite present with Trump. Obviously, I know you have these like evangelicals who think that he's the second coming of Christ or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. um, but I, they're like intellectually irrelevant, really, you know, to the to anything related to the truth. Um, you know, there are there are other Republicans who might play that role more, right? Who play the more religious conservative? Like that's not Trump's thing. You know? um, but it's interesting, you know, to see it to have someone like Erdogan like reciting Quran, right? You yeah. know, publicly. Um, you know, but that, but that, but losing, like that. but losing that election was, yeah, was I don't, I, I mean that that was, I think it, it's important that we help the listeners know that mm -hmm. when people lose that election uh, in Istanbul, that yeah. has that's indicative of losing the yeah. overall AK party's control over the country. Hmm. So that yeah. even Erdogan yeah. himself has admitted that that whoever yeah. controls Istanbul controls. The country yeah mm. yeah so, so you and also mentioned... and also keep in mind that you know Istanbul i think represents something like 70 percent of the turkish economy right so that level of control it partly it's cultural but it, partly it's also economic right like the it is a heavyweight like istanbul is the only city you know really you know in, in, in turkey the population doesn't necessarily represent that but economically it is so that. it's the fight for Istanbul. And so that's, that's, what it that's also hurting their wallet you know, losing Istanbul hurts hurts AK Party's wallet. But I think it's also true still, you know, that Erdogan's approval is probably higher than AK Party's generally, right? Yeah. You're going to have a lot of Turks, I think, who still trust him, even though they don't trust the party necessarily. Mm. So, Which, you know, I, uh, yeah, requires some analysis. You, he mentioned something interesting about mm. um, Erdogan and uh, Trump kind of uh building a new relationship like what's what's can you make sense of that too? i think it's because uh, at least from my own reading of the news was uh trump made some blunders related to turkey and giving him the green light in doing uh whatever syria. uh what, yeah, yeah whatever uh, whatever erdogan wants in syria and i think uh, erdogan being a little bit more understanding towards um Trump's mistakes when he gave him the green light to do whatever he wants. I think that made uh, Trump really happy with Erdogan. And, uh, you know, I think he's working to not harm Turkey's economy as uh, as the United States has in the past. So hmm. they might be happy with each other. So in that sense. as far as Syria comes in, how, because, how does that play a role? Because right now, um, more recently, the... Um, the Turks were trying to uh, capture their territory from the YPG or the PKK. I don't remember who in in Syria. So he Trump mi mistakenly gave uh, 
are the one a green light to do whatever you want today i think mm. and uh, you can jump in yeah, if for you like want two months ago yeah, yeah i remember that like two months ago yeah right. and right. i think i think he made a mistake in doing that and then he kind of called other ones that hey hang on hang on don't do everything don't <laughs> don't Wait, you know you can't do everything yeah. but yeah. uh and you know i think um you know trump's it, it if just to look at trump alone first i mean erdogan's you know motives are generally you know to protect the country like i think erdogan is actually more understandable like he's more e he's easier to read perhaps right um I mean, before he came in, people thought that he was going to be actually much easier on the Kurds. And, you know, there was certainly, uh, you know, they, there was a granting of Kurds, you know, more civil rights, you know, in the context of the country, which perhaps undermined, you know, some of the cause of resistance. But then, but then Erdogan also, like, reopened the war, you know, with them, too. So, so it's, it's, that's, a, that's a complicated one. Um, no question, you know, they consider the PKK to be a terrorist organization. It's, so technically, the, the U.S. and and the, the PKK is a Peshmerga, right? No, yeah. PKK is the Peshmerga. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, and then the the YPG is the Syrian yes counterpart, right? This organization. So, so Erdogan, you know, he sees these guys across the border, you know, getting their weapons up, right? He's not going to be pleased with that, you know, and he's already been stressed, right, that the Syrian, uh, you know, chaos, right, is going to allow, you know, that type of strengthening. In fact, I mean, when I think the only period, like the only 15 minutes of complete world peace that I can remember in my entire lifetime were for the 15 minutes after the Kurds in Iraq voted to for autonomy from the Iraqi state. Remember? This was maybe yeah. two, two years ago. And then literally every country in the world joined together, held hands, and said, no, like that's not <laughs> happening. Like you had, you know, Turkey and Iran who were both on opposite sides of the Syrian battlefield, no, with Syria, the Syrian, you know, with the Assad regime itself, literally all of them agreed, like, no, screw that. Like that is not happening. Right. And that I think also changed the dynamics of the Syrian war itself, right. Where Turkey now backed off of its goals to remove Assad himself. Right. Like that was essentially what Turkey was saying publicly, you know, was that we want Assad out you know after the kurds became to turkey you know kurds felt like a bigger threat right so, to it, the Turkish state so it's all because of the strengthening and to basically mitigate i think that's a big part kurds. of it you know that's all uh, it comes down now, to trump, limiting kurds but trump is like a whole different, the strength a whole of the different kurds. Monster, right yeah i think so you know i think so I, I mean you know does turkey want to like carve out land from the syrian state for themselves i don't know i mean they kind of have you know, will that last? Who knows? You know, it's it's a really it's an ugly situation in general. Like, what's the future of the Syrian state? Will it be a state? You know, like a meaningful, singular state? You know, after all of this, after the dust clears, like I don't I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, all these borders seem to mean less and less, right? Yeah. Um, but with Trump, like Trump's a much more, you know, he's an interesting one because you know, any time that it seems, just you know, in my in my as I've watched, you know, over these last few years. You know, every time that he speaks publicly, seemingly from his own heart, he speaks in a way which is non-interventionist, right? Or at least would only intervene for a financial gain, right? Like generally, he doesn't seem to really believe in cultural imperialism, like American imperialism for its own sake, right? It's always like, you know, we're defending these Saudis and they're not paying us enough money, right? And then he says that mm, and then Saudi right. comes in, you know, an investment or they buy the weapons, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
he's like, why do we have all these troops in this country? Like, this is, we're wasting our lives and our money, you know, on this. Like, we're not benefiting from this, right? Um, he'll say something like this, right? Which will sound, you know, kind of non-interventionist, isolationist, right? And I remember, you know, in the election, like in, the, in that 2016, in the run-up to that presidential election, you know, there was a, I think it was a New York Times op-ed, either op-ed or editorial, I forget who wrote, who wrote, the, who wrote the article, suggesting that Trump did not represent the interests of the American people because Americans, a majority of Americans, supported the war effort, like American intervention in the Muslim world, basically. They were saying this is what the one issue that Americans agree on, right? That we should be an empire, essentially. And Trump is speaking in a way that, that is against this, right? And so they felt that Clinton would be the more unifying candidate, right? And that Trump was not this. Uh, I was fascinated by this. I was really disturbed by this at the time. You know, this stuck with me, you know, obviously, until now. Uh, Trump seems, you know, he seems to say things like this. And then as soon as he says something like this, his advisors or Pentagon spokespeople, you know, like the military people, you know, and his own staff immediately come out to the press conference, right, or the next the following press conference or leak to the press and say, okay, he said this, but, you know, he didn't really mean it. Or, you know, okay, he said this, but, you know, we were not going to change our policy, you know, so radically in this situation. And this happened with the Syria case, too, where basically he, he said, after this conversation with Erdogan, he's like, why do we really have troops there anyway? You know, what did he say? It was classic. What did he say about the Kurds? He's like, they weren't with us in Normandy. <laughs> like, I remember that. That was wonderful. That was a gold. It was a gold of a soundbite, you know. But basically, he's like, you know, these aren't like our our blood brothers here. Like, this is not, you know, blood brothers podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is not a. Oh yeah, that's you guys too, right? Uh, what's up to the What's up to the brother Dilly? Yeah. Um, no, the the the, you know, he he he's making the case. This is not a permanent. You know, none of these moves are a permanent part of American strategy. Yeah. Right. And he, or at least he doesn't see the vision for that. You know, the Pentagon people have had their own vision for these things for now 20 years. Right. The military has basically been allowed to run wild, you know, for a very long time. Mm. And so, you know, I think this represents also the limits on Trump's ideas. Right. Even if he even if he did believe them, and it's hard to tell really genuinely what Trump actually believes, if he believes in anything at all. Uh, but it seems like these types of ideas are not really well appreciated in Washington. You know where so much money and power is generated from just that type of chess game right and i think that's why you know all that stuff had to be renegotiated after he says to erdogan in a call like live right he's just like okay yeah sure go ahead right and then you know five days of a media firestorm right where both republicans and democrats are angry at trump for not keeping their troops in a war zone that Congress has never declared war in, right? The like Democrats attacking Trump from the right, basically, like really crazy situation when we think about it too. Um, but this is also the effect of the Obama years. Um, and then he had to go, yeah, he had to come back. I think they had to make some negotiations. You know, this will be the first time that I've suggested this publicly. Um, but I do wonder. I have to admit, I wonder um, at the timing of that debacle being immediately followed by the killing of Baghdadi. Of who? Of the Daesh leader. Oh, of the, okay, the yeah. leader of ISIS. What was his name? Oh, oh. Baghdadi. Oh, Baghdadi. I, I thought you said yeah. Baba Ali. Baba. No, no, no. <laughs> I, th I think Baba Ali no, no, is alive think, and well. I, 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 I thought the yeah, interference, there was some uh, interference or something. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, why would he? Uh, 
Baba uh, Ali's not the, not the leader of ISIS. Let's go. Yeah. Now, we're so ba- now we're gonna have Baba Ali getting on like getting interrogated at the airports. Yeah, uh, so bad, confused. Bad, bad, bad. No, no. I should he's give him a, heads up. He seems he's seen harmless. Yeah. Um, no, I do wonder. You know what deals had to be made. You know for for uh, you know for everyone to be happy. You know for everyone to be able to keep their you know uh, for the peace to be kept, right? Because you know nothing nothing comes without a price. Right? Yeah, man. I don't know. You know these are, this is just strictly speculation this is yeah. like deep analytical work here um but it's chess you know these guys are playing chess you know there's a lot of money on the line you know there's there's that level at which you know we think of politics as like you know the sum of people's voices and you know we vote for this candidate or that candidate and, oh we're mad about this policy so we write a petition that's not really where decisions are being made you know this is big money on the line you know these are militaries state militaries and global interests you know globalist you know multinational corporations yeah. Who are who are who are moving pieces on this chessboard? For yeah. Sure. yeah. Now, uh, Cyrus, I know you, I don't like to call you like. I remember reading one of your posts, and you said I don't like to be pegged as into one specific category. But I was going to call you an activist for a second, but then I'm like, eh, I don't know if you like that. But now, as, as you understand like the world stage a lot better than yeah. your younger years, and you understand how money has influenced all the various decisions mm-hmm. that are are happening geopolitically. Yeah. How has that um, has that has that put a kind of a, a damper on on things on how you approach activism? Because there's only so much mm. you could do in terms of um, engaging politically, and you know you hear all the slogans with, from various Muslim leaders in the West. You know how they tell you to do various types of engagements with um, the power structures that be. Yeah, has yeah. that changed anything? No, it has. I mean, I, I already had very low expectations for our ability to change things radically inside America, like from inside America. I already did, you know, but um, and I was never, you know, even in even in days when I was like in the streets doing that work, I never really had any hope for the political process in America. You know, I, we're, we're it's, a, it's such a joke, honestly, with respect to our sisters and brothers, you know, who are who have committed their lives to this work. Like, I, I really think it's a joke, you know, to be spending so much time and money, um, you know, trying to get candidates elected. You know, this is not this is not where this is not where the work happens, really. Uh, and I think it's not only is it ineffective, I think it's a distraction and a real waste, like a criminal waste right, of our community's resources. Mm, uh, you said some very strong words, brother. I, I deeply I'm agree with it. you, though. I'm throwing the glove I, yeah, No, no, I agree with you 100 percent, brother. And that's why uh, yeah. it seems to yeah. be those people who work at the level that you do, or you did, uh, and you still do, but yeah. from a different place, well, they see the reality of everything and what it is, and then you just give up, you surrender to the fact that, hey, man, you just got to help your people around you. That's all it comes down to. You You just got to yeah, lift the bar of the people down, around you. It's going to come down to these communities. Yep. It's going to come down to these small communities. Like Honestly, America, you know, the, the social fabrics of these societies that we live in, you know, these things are going to unravel by themselves. <clears throat> With or without us. They're already unraveling, yeah. I mean, I remember there's a great, and it's unraveling, like we see it happening in front of us. You know, there's a great, uh, The Onion uh, had a great headline uh, or article some years ago that they repost once in a while, you know, which was like, you know, Al Qaeda militant, you know, sits back, you know, on the couch watching America like destroy itself or something like this was the idea. Mm. Like, um, like the new plot, you know, was just to let America destroy itself. Like it doesn't take any, you know, work from outside basically. Like America, it's, it's, you know, it might take the rest of the world down with it. You know, I don't, I don't imagine, you know, another, you know, country or, or, or formation, uh, 
you know, defeating and outlasting America. I think we're looking at the end times, but I think no matter what it is, you know, our work has to be commun- has to be focused on community, on our family, our tribe, you know, our local communities. Yeah. Maybe at the city level, if, if we live in a city that works like that, sure. You know, but I think, you know, we need to be preparing ourselves, you know, to be self-sufficient as much as possible. It's, it's know, a, I it, think it's it, that same concept. Sorry to cut you off, man. Yeah. I no, think no, the same no. concept. If you talk to somebody who's been homeless for a long time or somebody who works with the homeless or somebody who's been living mm-hmm. in poverty, they see the world completely different, man. Somebody who lives in the yeah, hood. Yeah, strips away a lot of these. Yep. I've met a brother who yeah. lived in the hood and he used to come to the suburbs sometimes for Juma, and used mm-hmm. to hear all these like... Uh, political khutbahs and khutbahs of oh my god everyone's out to get us he's like man what the heck are you guys afraid of nothing's gonna happen to you guys man relax you know you guys are yeah so that thinking about the wrong thing you know it's uh when you live in a certain situation you live with a certain people like boots on the ground you start to realize how fake everything else kind of is and people actually don't have control over the average person doesn't have control over um you know uh the political process it's rather decisions have already been made yeah. Well, yeah, it's, there's it's, that. You know, and I would say if just to make one point quickly, like I, I think that, you know, if we're going to look at a big picture, if we're going to look at a big picture, then let's look at the really big picture. Right. Mm. You know, which is a, a which is a global war posture. Right. If you want to talk about American power. Right. The war on terror is ongoing. It has no end in sight. It doesn't yeah. matter who's getting elected. It doesn't matter if you elect Bernie. <coughs> Or if you elect Trump, or if you elect Trump for two more terms, it really doesn't matter. Like yeah. it, it, that war is a permanent feature, right? Of our whether society. it's Republican or Democrat uh, doesn't matter. But, but it's, it's it, important. It uh, sorry, so you're 100 percent right. But it's important that people understand why that that it is that way, mm-hmm. because there is the world economy is dependent on war in continuous war, in that majority of these industries that are whether they're American, European, Russian they have entire weapons industries that are dependent on a cycle of conflict so that people uh, various actors within the political arenas are continuously buying weapons they're not interested in world peace war is a a truth that the american government has understood war power money these are these are things that are essential truths that are going to um, propel or be foundations of their economies. And yeah. it's something that is and kind basic, of a basis. And basic, American, and basic Americans, you know, also benefit from this too, right? Yes. There are American privileges, material privileges, right? That, you know, we, I'll say, you know, benefit from in the American society. And this is very much built on violence against the rest of the world. You know, it's something that we have to come to terms with, we have to think about, we have to understand our role in, right? But essentially, you know, as America right now, is as a mentor of mine years ago said you know america is trying to decide and you could maybe look at the last election the presidential election that way and every elections now you know um it's a choice america is deciding whether it wants to be a you know a liberal or deciding whether it wants to be a racist and openly racist you know hateful neoliberal empire or do they want to be a friendly inclusive multicultural neoliberal empire Right. But either way, you know, the empire will continue. This is part of both parties platform. Yeah. Right? And so if we're going to look at our, our place in the world, you know, then, you know, let's not be, you know, as Muslims, as American Muslims. Right. Let's not be as a as an article. I think it was published in the Milestones Journal uh, within the last year. It said, let's not be junior partners. You said Milestones and, uh, and I got excited. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I mean, know you got excited. I, I thought you got scared. <laughs> 
No, I get excited the illusion, about the illusion. The illusion is there, you know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, the the I, that was intentional, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, let's not be junior partners, right, in this imperial project, right? Let's let mm. let's let's rethink, you know, how we move as Muslims in the world, you know. And when we're you know getting involved in you know electioneering, you know, it's really it's it's horrible to see. Um, that's not to say that's not to say that you know one candidate or another doesn't have real impact. You know, I also have you know mentors who, you know, who 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 talk about the, you know the real impact that you know one president may have over another. Sure, okay, I get that. You know, but generally, you know, anything that 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 reinforces the strength of these concepts in our minds, I think, is the dangerous one. You know, I don't I don't want my daughter to think of herself as an American. You know, I want her to be comfortable anywhere in the world. You know, I want her culturally, linguistically, to be able to deal with anyone in the world. You know, fine. You know, but think of herself as an American, as like a national, you know, as a member of this, you know, nation state tribe. That's, that's ridiculous to me. You know, I think really we need to, 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 to free ourselves from these concepts. You know, we still, you know, obviously move among the people. We try to be of service, right? But it doesn't come from, you know, like some love of the homeland or anything. No, we just, we're just, that's how we move. You know, we, if people need food, we feed them. You know, if people need clothes, we clothe them. We provide shelter, we provide health care. And I think that's what, if we're going to stay in America, right? If, you know, we choose to stay in America, then that's how we should move. You know, the fact that we're spending money on getting a Democrat party imperialist, you know, elected instead of a Republican party imperialist, right? That we're spending that money when there's people starving to death, like it's really, you know, I, I think we're going to be asked about that along with us. You yeah. know, I think that our, you know, our work, if we were to prioritize, it would be, if we're going to, okay, I'll even, I'll even take one more, I'll make one more concession, right? If we're going to do national politics at all, right in america then the pri the priorities have to be at least minimizing harm right at least right this islamophobia stuff you know we're mad because this politician says something mean you know or this politician insulted me you know like this is a joke to me when there's literally people in cages and being killed yeah. right muslims you know sisters and brothers who are literally in prison and being killed uh, like that i would much rather a, a racist, you know, hateful American president who promises to drop less bombs, right, than the nice, friendly, smiling president, right? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll even throw a vote. I haven't voted in years, but I'll throw in a vote for you, right? If you promise to do less violence, right, to people inside, inside and outside the country, right? That's what I would prioritize in politics. But otherwise, none of you will get my vote. None of you are getting a dollar from me. You know, our work has to be local. You know, we have to, we have to take care of people. You know, not for the sake of Dawah either. You know, not for the sake of like right. That's a great point. And taking the pictures and like, great you know, point. oh look, look, look at what nice Muslims we are. You know, we're handing out water bottles. No, like we do this because this is, you know, uh, you know, we're we, we're feeding you not for thanks but for the face of Allah. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that that's that's all we, that's all we want. Yeah. So, well, um, I, the strategy, yeah. of, at least from the um, American Muslim leadership, is that you know we have to uh, get our people in the various power structures and political structures uh, throughout the United States. And the problem is, is that you're getting in candidates who don't necessarily really practice Islam properly. And I don't know if you heard about this uh, yes, politician exactly. from, uh, what's her name? Uh, let me see. Let's see. Uh, Mobita Johnson Harrell. She was the first oh, hijabi. The Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it says the headline is fur coats, yeah. resorts, Vacations at a Porsche lawmakers resigns after allegedly taking half a million dollars from her charity, uh, yeah. and she is someone who was first heralded as a hijabi 
uh, lawmaker who got elected. First in Muslim in the state, right? First yeah. Muslim in the state legislature, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm sure they'll. Uh, I, I think they're going to fight that out the court. Alana's best, you know. Um, but there's a lot of cases like that, right? You know, where you know we get really excited about representation, right? Because yeah. someone identifies with the same identity as us, right? And that's one of the great strategies of imperialism itself, right? And they've done this since the colonial days, right? Once once we get tired of an actual colonial ruler, right, that they appoint, right, then they'll give us a native elite, yeah. right, like a, a local elite to rule over us, right, but still serve the same interest, right? Mm, and I think this is really that's deep, brother. Politics, <clears throat> you just said something real it's deep. The same thing in America. Uh, let's go there. You know, like it, it's you know when I see you know a hijabi or you know a bearded you know whoever you know running for office right you know they're 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 volunteering they're signing up you know to be the finger on the trigger right of the american imperial army like and and what that does is this is the same reason that the american state department right sends cultural tours around the world with like muslim rappers and you know whatever and the point of that they used to do the same thing with black jazz artists right in the 50s and 60s the point is propaganda right the point is to tell the brown and black people of the world that see look how good we are to our minorities right and we're not we're not anti-islam right america's not anti-islam look we have a muslim congress person right or two or three right muslim congress people right clearly we don't have a problem with islam like if you come to america in fact you might even have the chance to become such a thing right what we're doing is fighting terrorists right and your own leaders are the problem or your own you know local radicals are the problem right and this is the same thing that's now being taught to to, to, to young muslim kids they're getting so excited because they see you know, a Muslim on TV, right, who is being praised, right, by great, you know, great financial institutions and political institutions. Um, and in the meantime, the idea, even the idea of what Islam is, right, is being perverted by these people, too. That's a whole other dimension to this, too. I mean, the political ramifications of that are part of it, right? And I think that alone, right, should give us pause, even if it was an Orthodox Muslim, right, someone who's really on point with your Aqidah and Ibadah, like, I think that would still be a problem. You know, but also, it's not a coincidence that these people are also, you know, really putting out really horrible, you know, positions on Islam itself and teaching Islam in a way, um, which, if this is our main influence on our kids, then American Islam is, you know, we're looking at the end, you know, within within a decade or two, you know, I th that's an apocalyptic, apocalyptic way of, of talking about it. This is just to to give a sense of the stakes. Wait, uh, how do you mean? But Islam is defined. <coughs> Islam is defined, you know, by Allah's messenger, uh, and it's, it's not defined by, you know, who your parents are, what your name is, or even exclusively what you wear, you know. And uh, you know, the more that Islam becomes a, you know, just another identity, right? To 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 get out the vote, right? Is uh, mm. is going to set us up for, for for another big failure. Yeah, and I think I, that's what you mean by the end, right? Because Islam has now in the process of becoming the cultural identity like, marker yeah. for this minority of people that it could, call know. themselves Muslims. Is that what you mean by the yeah. end? Basically? Yeah, yeah, it could be. You know, I had, I was shocked. I remember back in, it would have been maybe like 2011 or 12. I was probably giving a talk in New York. I remember a young man came to me after the talk uh, and said, you know, you know Muslim, <coughs> my parents are Muslim, you know, but can I be a secular Muslim? He asked me, like, he's like, you know, I'm not really, like, I don't really practice, but, like, can I be a secular Muslim? And I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't even remember how I answered the question back then. It was so long ago. You know, I hope that I gave him something that may have helped. I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. um, probably, 
you know, what I would have told him was to, you know, try to learn the Dean, you know, so that way you understand what its foundations are, you know, but, but I, I can't tell you word for word, but, you know, back then it was really, it was shocking to me to hear something like that. I'm like, why would you even, you know, I mean, mm. why would you even bother? You know, <laughs> I didn't say that to him for sure, but you know, like <laughs> why, why bother, you know, but then what we've seen since was, you know, has been, you know, this, this like street cred that became associated with being a Muslim in some mm. circles. Right. Like it's like clout, you know, to be like, you know, oh, you think you're oppressed? Like I'm a Muslim, like, you know, and like, you know, homie's not praying or, you know, doing nothing, you know, nothing on the Dean. Like it is, it's, you know, it's just become a way to like meet one of the quotas, you know, um, you know, one of the faces. Right. And I think this is going to be a key part of, I mean, at least for the Democratic Party strategy, the Republicans are usually slower in this regard um, in incorporating things like this. Um, you know, anytime that Muslims even try to volunteer to be Republican faces, you know, they get smashed out of it. But um, but the Democrats have been doing this for a while. Right. Is they'll bring people to the inside. You know, they'll give you, you know, and I think, you know, Barack Obama represented that, too. Right. That in the face of, you know, a growing anti-war movement and and. You know, in the face of black, un, you know, black, black anger, black rage, justify black rage. You know, let, let's give him a black, you know, let's give him a black president. You know, let's 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 give the people uh, uh, somebody that looks different, right? And the government knew that. I remember Glenn Greenwald, you know, saying uh, that he had seen a, a CIA report, you know, like an analysis uh, report before the election, before the 2008 election. You know, when they were analyzing that election, and they and they knew the CIA knew that if McCain won that they would not be able to contain American rebellion, right? That the anti-war movement at that time, I think there's going to be some younger kids listening to this right now who are not going to be able to believe this, right? But the anti-war movement at that time, especially in the cities, was so hot, right? That they knew that if McCain won, like, they would not be able to to to, to hold that down. But that if Obama won, they'd be able to co-opt that, you mm. know? That that would, that would blow off steam, you know, off of this movement. You know, and so when I see Muslims now rising in the Democratic Party, you know, even, you know, they call this progressive wing, whatever. Most of them are Zionists, you know, even, you know, on the inside, like the, even the Muslim ones, right? Um, you know, I'm just really, I'm, I'm not only am I not impressed, you know, I'm actually really deeply concerned, right, that this is going to send us even further off track. My, my observation seems to be that... Uh, and again... Oh, here it comes. Yeah. Yeah, my observation seems to be that the folks who are, like, if you look back at the root of, like, why our... It's a, I think of it more as, as an immigrant Muslim phenomen, phenomenon because our parents, first of all, came into America for this, like, economic gain, right? Like, prior, like if you think about priority. Yeah, mostly, sure. And I think it seems to be, like, the idea of they didn't think big picture. Because if you, if you actually really, really think about it, you, you're moving from Muslim lands to non-Muslim lands. And no matter what, our, our predecessors were Muslims for generations, we we can like yeah. we don't know how the yeah, question of yeah. practice and whatnot, but like in America, what you have amongst the immigrant community is the phasing out of Islam. People aren't like, you know, I've actually never met anyone who's like, oh, I'm not Muslim anymore. But it's just kind of like just it kind of just fades out. So yeah. this Muslim thing is still an identity thing that they can still hang yeah, on yeah. to. That's why this whole you have you you can come across and say something as oh I, I want to be a secular Muslim. But when people who are like indigenous to America and became Muslim on their own choice, that's a faith. That's kind of like a faith issue. Yeah. More so yeah. than something that was just inherited by birth, like a birthright. 
That's so true, speak. but the multi-generational dimension is, is hard to read right now, right? Like just because you convert like the, the, the ability, your ability to pass that to your next generation, that's still not guaranteed either, right? And that yeah. has, of course, that has a lot to do with how you raise your kids, but it also has a lot to do with the culture that you're raising them in, right? So as much as I think we, you know, we, we think of converts or reverse, whatever, whatever you want, you know, as being better Muslims, you know, I hear this sometimes, right? Um, the factual basis for that is, you know, hard to, <laughs> you know, hard to quantify. I'm not sure. Um, I, I, already, that's a slippery slope, you know, of an argument, but, um, but their ability to now pass that on to their kids, right? I, I don't think we really know yet, right, what that's going to look like either. Like, if you look at the, the, the African American community, the black community, right, you know, their Islam, maybe if you looked at, you know, from, I mean, from the 60s, you know, right through the 90s, even into 2000s, you know, maybe it seemed more militant, like in a good way, you know, maybe it seemed more radical, like in a good way, you know, oppositional, perhaps, right, to American power. Um, you know, the war on them has resulted in, you know, most of their leaders, their more radical leaders being killed, imprisoned, right, exiled, right, to this day, right? And I wonder, you know, are they able to develop their own youth? Like those who are left, are they able to develop their own youth, right? Carry that banner forward? I don't know. Um, you know, they're dealing with American culture too. Yeah. Right? And, you know, jokes aside, you know, we started you know, laughing about, you know, white Muslims and white convert Muslims, right? In particular, um, you know, might the temptation be, and I, you see this happening now, you know, might the temptation be to just, you know, go back to white privilege? Right, which would mean distancing yourself from Islam. Like that temptation might always be there. You never know. Like, just take the kufi off. You know, shave the beard, change your name back if you change whatever. Right, and just go be. You know, <laughs> you just go. Just you know, go be a, a senior partner in this project again. You know, may Allah protect us from this. Keep our iman strong. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, you know it's a it's a really challenging time. Right, in yeah. a way, and and part of the challenge of studying it, right, and understanding it, standing it, right, is that it seems. It seems kind of unprecedented. Obviously, some scholars are trying to draw the parallels where they can. You know, Sheikh uh, Muhammad Sharif, right, who was one of those, you know, kind of students of Malcolm, you know, second generation students of Malcolm, right, who, you know, carried that banner forward, right. He's, I mean, exiled essentially from America. He lives in Mali, I think now. Um, you know, Wait, Muhammad Sharif, a Maghreb guy? No, not that guy at all. No. Um, <laughs> Why no, did he go to exile? Uh, <laughs> No, no, definitely so not. harmless. Um, All he's talking about is uh, no, nice things. Right, quite, quite harmless. Yeah. No, <laughs> Muhammad Sharif. Um, he's uh, no, he's out, he's out in Mali. He's uh, African American. Disappointing. Yeah. He was in Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh originally, right? I'm with those Sharif from Mali. Okay. Pittsburgh, exactly. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Said, no, Pittsburgh yeah. Finish. Um, he's talking about. But uh, you know, he wrote a book, this uh, decisive solution, right, where he was trying to to, to draw draw the analogy with the experience of. Muslims who were left in Spain after the, the conquest, the Christian conquest of the Iberian Peninsula, right? Um, and even just looking at it from a fiqh perspective, like from a jurisprudential perspective, like, you know, what do you, you know, what did the scholars of that time tell them to do? They said, mm. get out of there. Most of them, most of the like West African, North African scholars, like get out of there while you can, right? Because you're going to lose your Islam because of Whoa. the cultural power yeah. you know, of being a minority, right? Um, he suggests, you know, and I'm not, you know, this is beyond my training. He suggested there was an ijma', you know, on the subject back then. And what happened was, sure enough, they basically went into hiding, right? And generation by generation, their Islam is lost, 
right? Maybe they just began by pretending to not be Muslims. Uh, and then it really just got that's lost, where it gets right? really and scary and slippery man that's it gets where... scary man you know obviously in america you know we're not like we don't literally you know have the law kicking yeah. our doors down right and confiscating qurans and things like that um you know the, the oppression of islam or the war against islam in america takes a different form yeah right it's cultural power is so strong that you don't always need boots on the neck you know yeah. um honestly we, we oppress ourselves <coughs> But uh, anyway, things things that things that are worth thinking about. Obviously, you know, especially changes when you have kids. You oh know, yeah. Maybe maybe you feel strong yourself, you know. But you know, we come from a different generation, man. Like these yeah. kids coming up today, you know, it's a whole different world for them, you know. And we just have to do the best that we can. Um, and man, like that's... I said, you know, my intention was to go back. I was going to finish one degree, and we were going to go back to the states. And we had a baby daughter, and I'm like, really, bro? Like, are we really going to? Wow. You know. <laughs> Take wow, back that mess right now. Like I don't know, you know, um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. The world changes fast. So. It's amazing how children could be your uh, pathway to just thinking about things differently. That's why it is. It is whatever we're everything we're discussing right now. Mm -hmm. What it comes down to is, you know, the wisdom of Ibrahim is. He, he wasn't concerned about his just his child and his wife. He was thinking, how can this like, world yeah. be different all the way till the end of time? Yeah. Yeah. How is it yeah. going to be? That's yeah. his dua, yeah. in essence, for Muhammad Sallallahu emerging from Mecca, right? That's yeah. that's what his dua was, yeah. and uh, that that's what it comes down to. How the preservation shouldn't be about in the now; it's our preparation is about how is it going to be, you know, five hundred, a thousand years from now. You know, it seems uh, to some people very unrealistic, you know, and. But that if if that mindset is there, that paradigm is there. Five hundred generations from now, till the end of time, what every step I take right now with myself, my children, ten generations are going to be affected by it. Imagine how different our planning is going to be and how we see. We will see things for what they are. That's we will be like Ibrahim alayhi He saw things for what they are. If yeah. we if we're thinking about planning, you know, five hundred years from now, and the yeah. iman. Thing, uh, everything the dust priorities, dude. priorities shift it's yeah. not it's, and it's amazing that you brought up Ibrahim because his trials were similar to that too yeah like you know we we know with this my and, and the, the sacrifice and being thrown or jumping into the fire yeah um <clears throat> that yeah that 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 kind of mentality to take on uh the future oh yeah sacrifice and and um uh, jumping into something that you know is fire you 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 understand that you know that takes tawakul and strength and you knowing that um th there's this whole unknown ahead of you especially when you take uh, uh decisions like you know moving overseas there's so many unknowns and it requires so much tawakul right yeah so th that's why i just thought it was amazing that you brought that up as an example with Ibrahim because he, there, there's sacrifice and there's tawakul involved. Yeah, and that's why he was considered a ummah. Allah says that he's an ummah in himself, right? Yeah, yeah by himself. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. You know, one right. thing I think is like, even if there's, so um, I was, I, I want to give an example. You're talking about the kids. The other day, I, I, I I've been quiet on the show, by the way. I'm, I've been fighting this cold, so I'm kind of like. Yeah. You should try that uh, the local yeah, uh, local honeybees. Yeah, local honeybees apparently have. You have to get the locally sourced honey. Yeah. Oh, for the so allergies, yeah, yeah, for the allergy. Right. Not not yeah. the, the not the honey from other 
major companies and stuff. Those have, uh, you know, cures yeah, as just well. Look at but bee farms yeah. close to your house. Yeah. You'll find oh, something. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. Google it. But anyway. Anyway, so like, so I called off work on Friday and I was going to go pick up my daughter from school. And something I noticed now, the school bus that drops off these kids. They're probably, I think it's like high school or middle school kids. These kids come off the bus. Every single one of them looking at their phone, like walking. Yeah. Like not even looking up. I've seen that, yeah. And my I, neck and, hurts. Just thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you know, maybe I think that's society, but I was like, when I was in high school, that wasn't like a thing. Now, people had Walkmans, maybe, but yeah. not There's to the level of like. It was super, inter- getting off the bus was super interactive, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it was super interactive. It That's where all the fights would happen. Yeah, you're right. If you yeah. had beef with somebody, <laughs> I, 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 I remember eighth grade. This one, this this one dude was yeah. t- talking smack. So somebody followed him home, got on his bus, <laughs> and waited for him to get home, and it beat him up outside of school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, where were you going with that about the the cell phones and? Oh yes, so. Um, I just had a breast. I got excited about the fights in the school. <laughs> you still got the high school in your son. I remember all, yeah, all those fun, but like The kids on their phones coming out of the bus. The yeah. kids on, no, but okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so, no, anyways, what, what got me thinking was, okay, so you heard about this, there's this new Netflix movie series coming called Messiah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't just going to ask. I heard about this. All yeah. right, so yeah. you're reading, yeah. so we know about the narrations of the, of, about the Dajjal. About like how he's gonna be attractive, yeah, and mm. it's like um, now we don't know. Like I guess people are, we're speculating that it's about the Dajjal, but like based upon some stuff, we can already tell that it's about the Dajjal. So you got a Muslim actor playing the Dajjal. Yeah, his name is Mahdi. Yeah, his name is Mahdi. Holy cow! You know what I'm saying? But like the idea that like the uh, of how even the reception is towards the movie. Yeah. Like, um, like even myself, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably, I'm probably gonna watch it. I'm gonna be serious. <laughs> I probably shouldn't, but <laughs> that's the thing with the Dajjal. I want to watch. You know how they're talking about things, but one thing that I was because you're supposed to get, a, you're supposed to run away from the Dajjal, right? That, that's the point. So this is, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means, but what we know from the Hadith of the is right. that the paving the way for the Dajjal's followers is going to be a smooth paving. So they're gonna be able to receive him easily, right? Mm. I'm not saying a Netflix uh, series is trying to do that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that his concept is gonna be even more bought about into society through Netflix. And Netflix, they don't have they have no idea what they're doing. They don't know what they're a part of. Yeah. Yet, but for us as Muslims, because of our belief, we we see certain things happening in the society. You know, and I know we're not talking about this, but just like I, I recently just started reading, just going down the rabbit hole about, you know, like recycling, what really happens with recycling and how the whole world is actually, you know, a majority of the stuff that we even put in recycling bins actually doesn't get recycled. And, you know, I, it's a weird rabbit hole. But and then you start reading about all the, you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that, uh, you know, that, uh all types of corruption and mischievousness and you know um is going to be apparent on land and the sea of what man's hands have committed yeah Yeah. so and we start seeing that everything like this this is what i'm trying to say i personally don't believe that there's any turning back going go there's no going back to 
anything good with the human experience. I mean, like we, we've already gone too far. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. I know I'm jumbling all over the place. I have so many thoughts right now. Yeah. It's problematic know, for me. There's too much happening because we're coming to the end of this podcast. But do you remember in Daredevil where he never wanted to kill anybody and yeah. Punisher was always against him with that, even though they're fighting for the same cause. Yeah. But Punisher's, his thing is all about you have to eliminate it. Yeah. Daredevil's like, he can't do that. And he contemplates it once. Yeah. And he perturbs him that he has to kill somebody, but he can't do it because he knows if he does it, it's he, he, that, he'll that, never be able to turn back. He can't turn back. And I think us as human beings, we've gone past that situation. We can't turn back now. Yeah. The, the amount of damage and the amount of systems and the amount of corruption and killing. The, like, do you really think Syria is ever going to be a real infrastructure again? Inshallah, one day. But Inshallah, one day. Me, but... but I'm saying in in our near future we're talking about solving we're, we're in too deep is what you're saying we're in we're, way too deep for solving and the machine like, is out of control and everything way is out just of control. just going to people are like world peace like you're talking we're talking about international world powers in agreement that warfare is the most profitable gain for this select group of people yeah. and that's what keeps our luxuries alive yeah it's insane it is insane like how are we going to go back from how are we going to come back from that it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, but, but part of me is like, when when we talk about this, my mind is like, why don't I just make Hijrah to some North African country? I know you thought about that, and I've thought about that, uh, Sheikh Hamer. Like, we like in order to like, things are so out of our control now. Yeah. Is that in in that we were just contemplating maybe just move to some desert and the Hadith of Rasulullah would be best for you just to live on yeah. the side of a mountain with your animals but yeah. the reason I'm mentioning yeah. this and yeah. now all of a sudden this Messiah the reason I mention all that is now this Messiah thing comes out yeah. and I'm in this point in my life where I'm just like going through this rabbit hole and constantly thinking about you know where the direction the world is going in and then I hear about this thing Messiah you know I see the trailer it's supposed to be coming on, on in January I'm like wait dude this there's too much happening right now yeah. and then this it's like it's it's crazy to where your mind go, starts going and then, oh, yeah. you don't know how much you're going to be account <coughs> held accountable for all this either you don't you don't know like how much is your responsibility in benefiting from all the uh benefit like you said you know benefiting from the war machine you know yeah it's our luxuries i mean yeah. people don't like to hear it but we are living a great life in the united states because of that like on the, the cost of other yeah. people's lives man yeah yeah from the, all the sweatshops all across the world to yeah. every single thing that is being used to exploit people and they, they say about you know the convenient thing that the West says, says, oh, slavery doesn't exist. Oh, no, it it is completely inexistent. It's oh, just, yeah. now you're, uh, you're a willing participant to be a slave. It's yeah. just, that's all they've made to be. Now, instead of you having to live in the master's house, everyone is a, is a slave and yeah. they're all living in the bare, uh, scraps that the, um, the power structures have given, granted them. It's just really as simple as that. It's not really, a matter of being uh, yeah uh, being told that you're a slave it's just a semantics thing now yeah man you know you you guys you gave me a lot to think about i literally started taking yeah. notes but I, there's one there's one um there's just one addition that i want to make because as we study these things like as we look at these things observe them right of course we have to repent you know when we see these oppressions especially these ones that we're you know benefiting from and taking part in you know we have to repent constantly um and may Allah accept that from us. I mean, you know, I mean, despite I mean. despite how shallow you know it often is, but um, but also you know when we're looking at these patterns, right? Whether it's the phones, you know, and this increasing control of technology over us, right? Or when we're looking at the war, 
right? And the more entrenched that becomes, you know, I think, you know, keeping a sense of priorities, you know, as you were saying, Sheikh, like that this is, this should also inform like what we do with this information, right? Like our material, our, our, our ability to, to, uh, to accumulate material, right? This is not, this is not helpless in front of a law, right? Um, our ability to, even our ability to win every war, right? Does not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, do much for us in front of a law, right? It's the effort that we put in, right? The intention yeah. that, that we, that we set, you know, and the effort that we put in to do the best that we can. But even as we're looking generations ahead, you know, and we absolutely should be looking, you know, generations ahead, you know, Allah knows if we have that time, you know, Allah knows, like, you know, things seem to be changing very fast. It's hard to say. Um, but as far as possible, you know, it's Islam, right? It's Iman, right? The best thing that we can do, right? The thing that we'll be asked about and the things that our children and their children and their children will be asked about is their Iman, right? Is their Islam, right? And their practice. And so the best that we could do to preserve those things, right? The better. And so when I look at, you know, for example, even war, like even my perspective on war, you know, has really changed. So even before I was practicing Islam, I was against war, but that was because of some, you know, more like, primordial sense of justice and you know things like this but um a lot of people who have nothing to do with islam you know understand war to be wrong violence to be you know something to be avoided right but especially now when we look at the war on terror you know you know it's not just about you know to us it's not a chessboard right part of the war on terror right is literally oppressing islam itself right it's oppressing its leaders it's oppressing it's killing the people who are you know the, the, the best able to defend it Right, it's destroying our societies. It's undermining us in every sense possible. Right, this becomes the basis. It's not about the land, you know. I, I don't really, you know. Of course, in our classical, you know, those categories are important, right? About you know preserving the land and defending the land. I mean, I definitely I came up with Sheikh Abdullah Azan, you know, and you know defending the Muslim lands. Like, of, of course, these are important in the heart of their place. in the hearts of green birds. Yeah, like this is this is this is important. You know, this is this is a you know I understand its place. You know, but. Um, but even if we don't win those, right, you know, it's about, you know, creating the spaces, you know, carving out the spaces and defending the spaces, you know, for our kids and their kids and their kids, right, to practice Islam, to live Islam fully, right, and to preserve our knowledge, traditions, yeah. right, to learn and to transmit, right, so that future generations have Islam. You know, it's no accident, right, that all of the national governments and corporations that are involved in the war on terror are also involved in trying to change the dean itself, right? These are things that we should be concerned with. You know, it's, it's absolutely, it's not just a physical and a military war on Islam, but it's also an intellectual war, mm. you know, on Islam. It's a spiritual and a cultural war of course. on Islam, right? And the thing with the phones, you know, this, this, you know, this is increasing the ability, right, of technology to, to, to confuse what is real, right? Like when we have face-to-face -face interaction, whether it's good or bad, you know, whether it's, whether we're conversing or fist fighting, you know, that's real, Bust. right? And in that moment, right, we're able to, to, to decide, you know, we're able to, to, to measure and sense true and false, right? We're able to use our rational minds, right? To interpret what we, what we, what, what we receive, you know, but, you know, the more that, you know, our reality becomes virtual reality, you know, the more that we sense through our technologies, right? The more that the phone and the world on the internet and in these social communities become what's real for us, right? At the expense of what's physically real, it becomes harder and harder for us, right? To tell truth from falsehood, right? To tell talk from battle, right? And this is the world that the Dajjal 
you know, we'll be able to take, we'll, we will be able to come into, right? When I see that, when I see that, that, that preview, I, I watched that preview, you know, on Netflix, Netflix, you know, it, it looked kind of silly to me, you know, this is how, this is how, I mean, some screenwriter probably found the Islam page on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. right? And thought, ooh, this is a good plot twist, right? And mm. Muslims were like, okay, we know that hadith, but, you know, the, you know, and, you know, this, you know, brown Jesus with, with you know, Yemeni guys with AKs, <laughs> you know, behind them, like, it's just like, this is fantasy, right? But, mm. you know, these people are confused about their own spirituality. They know that something's yeah. coming, right? They know that the end is coming. They know that this is unsustainable, right? But, and they're confused, they're scared, you know, they know, they know that Muslims are the only ones with Dean left, right? I think they might have some idea that when Isa Islam comes, like if they even believe that he's coming, that he's going to be a Muslim, like it's going to be a really confusing time. Um, there's a lot of levels to this, you know, that yeah. we're playing with here. But that's not even really what, what, you know, what bothers me so much, you know, that, you know, we're giving up control over our own minds, basically, right? And so the point is, to all of this is to stay free to stay free and i'm not i don't mean this in like some liberal way you know to stay free but to stay free to worship Allah, you know to not give up control of ourselves right to very powerful entities right hijra you know is not i don't think of hijra as escape right i think of hijra as tactical retreat right so, so to give us space and time right to to reform right to to develop ourselves Right to build a next generation, to you know, plant seeds, to you know, uh, dig roots, right, for for a stronger future, right. But you know, if they come for us, you know, where we've made hijra too, then we're going to defend ourselves, of course. You know, um, you know, there's there's a, uh, you know, that the hadith about the end times, about going to the mountain, you know, with the animals, you know, that time may be coming, you know, very soon. But even then, even then. You know, we still have to do the best that we can you know, yeah. to protect ourselves and our families and our people. You know, and and that time hasn't quite come yet. You know, I know. Yeah. You know, the resources are running out. I know the oil is going to go. The fresh water is going to go. You know, the apocalypse comes to different people at different times, perhaps in that way. The ecological apocalypse yeah. may be felt. You know, by different people at different times. Obviously, there's going to be some gated communities. Uh, I'm sure in the northern hemisphere until Allah blows <laughs> them up. But, um, but. You know, we just got to do the best that we can. So I'm never fatalistic. You know, I really think that this is, this is, I mean, of course, we're fatalistic in the way that, you know, we understand that this is the law's control. Uh, you know, we know that the end is coming, right? We're not, uh, we're not. Uh, All the signs are on the wall. Know, affinity. Yeah. All the but, signs are on yeah, exactly, there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and honestly, this is a great time to be alive. Like, this is a really amazing time to be alive, you know, to know what we know, to see what we see, to have some of the resources that we do have, yeah. you know. And, you know, it's great to, to be born now and to, to, to be awake in a world, you know, where we have the opportunity to, to, to really struggle, right, for truth. You know, we, we can't afford to be complacent. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's a great I, way to look at it, brother. To accept. Yeah. It's a great to, way to look to, at it. Exactly. Yeah. man. It's a great way to look at it. How, how often do you come back to the U.S.? Maybe once, twice a year. He's like, not after this podcast ever. Yeah, never again. I just gave them them a whole lot of evidence. No, but like over the last, had your, like over the last four years, every, is there anything? A couple times a year, maybe, yeah. So do you, do you see changes every, does it feel different every time you come back? You know, when I see my friends, you know, that that's obviously family and friends, you know, there's more stability that way. You know, I, I try to hear what they're dealing with. You know, I think, uh, but watching how communities have changed, you know, how master communities have changed, but, you know, the questions that come from youth groups, you know, have changed really quickly. Um, you know, these things, 
change very, very fast, you know, in four or five years um, and in 10 years, even more. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's changing for sure. I mean, you know, also like when I land in the airport, you know, at JFK, like all those guys know me too. So, you know, that's all the same. Like that hasn't really gotten worse. It actually, that's gotten better because they know me so well now. Um, you know, but when I get to the streets, you know, yeah, it's a little different. New York is New York, but again, you know, the situation of Muslims and the situation of Islam, right, in the minds of Muslims has changed a lot. That's probably what's changed yeah. most in all these years, you know, and that's what's the most disturbing to me, you know, try to make the best effort. So profound. Jazakallah khair for joining us, man. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys. You know, it's an important platform that you guys have. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm Thank glad you you're doing the, the at up outpost as well, man. That's something more, yeah, you know. Keep us in your doors, man. Keep us in your doors. Definitely, Bro, you know, give us a follow. If we can help you out in anything, in yeah, any way, we're going to make sure to do that. I've been trying to share some that. of the episodes on our Twitter platform and, and stuff. No, so I, I appreciate that a lot. You know, the handle, you know, for those listening, it's it's the at sign at the outpost. Uh, and on YouTube, you know, just, you know the, we're just getting started. Try to YouTube, same thing. Now yeah. post, you know. I'm gonna make uh, sure the links are in the description really below. On that social media thing, so. Our platform you. is is yeah, your yeah, our platform is, is your platform. So make sure to utilize that, Cyrus. Yeah, yeah make I sure you. That. Yeah, thank we, you. Guys. Always happy to join you guys. Inshallah. Awesome. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, we'll look forward to the website for the Hydra. And Amr and I will take it offline. <laughs> visa applications. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. You know, I definitely encourage you guys to come to Turkey also to at least visit, you know, check it oh, out. Cyrus, tell us, tell everyone a little bit about your rings. I'm, I'm a huge ring guy. I don't know if you, you know, ever seen my. I was my, uh... so mad. I sat down, you know, it was so late. I was getting tired. I forgot to actually put a ring on. But yeah, I do sell silver rings, oh, yeah. beautiful handmade silver rings. Yeah. Uh, so a friend of mine and his father actually make them by hand you know here in turkey uh, uh, i love you can you know, see mine yeah like that, things like this yeah beautiful so so do you, you said you uh, sell yeah, them yeah, just hit me up obviously the outpost has nothing to do with that just hit yeah. me up person you guys so you say you sell the rings <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll sell them for so do you have uh, like a website and stuff or what yeah i think i have some posted up on uh yeah i have a page brothercyrus.com the shit hamza yeah, magbul go through you yes yeah, so. i'm sorry does hamza go through you for his rings yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's the ring guy because he mentioned no because I, I bought this from Hamza yeah, yeah. Magul. Yeah, I took Sheikh. Hamza oh, to so yeah, um, yeah. Magul I took, probably. I took, I took Sheikh Hamza directly to the plug though. You oh, know, okay. So Sheikh Hamza, yeah, he comes back and he like will yeah. sell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, so rings. he probably yeah, put like fifty percent yeah. markup on it and sold it to you. <laughs> Man, I'm sure, no, no, no. Don't get me in no trouble. Don't get me in no trouble. Is the price that is the price that you should pay? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I love Turkish rings. They're the best rings that are made for men in the that? world. Inshallah, I hope to yeah, become yeah, a reseller as well. Yeah, Maybe uh, heavy, dude. Beautiful quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful. Love those guys. I, I'm not. I'm not such an artist myself, but definitely love to love to support these guys. Uh, awesome. These are real masters of the craft for sure. All right, man. Thank you so much for yeah. joining us. No, Just... I appreciate you guys. Love y'all. Okay. Take care. Yeah, Please. thank you so Sounds much. Like right. Right. Stay, like stay on the line. We're going after the intro ends okay. and. Uh, well, uh, for our listeners, if you guys want to see more content, support our program, or else we can't put more stuff out there. <laughs> so, if you if you want to see more Mad Mooks, help us out on patreon.com backslash the Mad Mooks, or you could go to the Mad backslash donate and help us out through PayPal. Sakala here for joining us. We'll see you all next time. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.